my wife uh, Jenny and I uh, recently celebrated our 15-year wedding anniversary. And uh, yeah, pretty cool. And boy, you know, I, I'm blessed and we, I, I'm so grateful for my family and for our marriage. And I got to tell you that we're not real big gift-giving people for one another. Uh, we've just kind of never made that a big practice at Christmas or even on our anniversary or what. But it's like, okay, well, it's 15. We, we have to do something. We've got to do something special. And, uh, you know, we had that option of getting out of town, but we've, we've had the privilege of doing that a little bit this year. And so we decided, you know, rather than buy each other a gift, let's plan a day. Let's, let's just go out and have some fun together. Uh, we, let's go have some good side-to-side fun, you know, as Steve Davis taught about during our marriage series back in June. And so uh, we thought, well, you know, let's do something we wouldn't typically do. And so I think it was Jenny came up with this idea of let's go zip lining. all right? And uh, if you're familiar with Eagle Creek, if you've ever been there before, I think Go Ape is the name of the company. And they've got this high wire zip lining uh, sort of a course and you pay and you can spend a couple of hours out there. And so it's like, yeah, why not? Let's do that. I mean, let's go see if we can break something, you know, break a an arm or a neck or something like that. And so uh, we went out to Eagle Creek and we had a great afternoon and you go through the training and then, you know, if you've ever been there before, I mean, you get up in these trees and you're about 20, 30 feet up in the air and there are all these different kind of high wire things to do. And I, I got a little bit of a fear of heights and Jenny the same, but we made it. It was just fun and we got to know some other people around us and some great team building. Again, good side to side fun. Well, a part of this course are these zip lines. I think they've got five of them, in fact, where, you know, you're 20, 30 feet up in the tree and uh, of course you you're clipped on I mean you, if you're ever holding both clips in your hand that's not a good place to be you something always has to be clipped and so uh, you're clipped into this this zip line and I think I don't know maybe I'm exaggerating maybe not it probably runs about the length of a football field and and, and so you fly down and then you the, the challenging part is coming to this safe landing this landing area on the mulch well I just thought you might like to see how my wife did on one of these zipline courses here. And uh, so, so check this out. Um, here comes Jenny. She's flying in. Here she comes and boom, yeah. Isn't that great? Let's show that one more time. Let's do that one more time. You'll appreciate this. So here she comes. She's having fun. She's laughing and boom, there's the crash landing. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. You're like, what is his wife going to think? I got her permission to show that. (laughs) All right. Now, I might have to clean the house all for September. You know, that might be part of the deal. And the other part of the deal is that I need to let you know that I might have even had a greater uh, wipeout, but it didn't get caught on camera. So that's not my problem. You know, that's your problem. But hey, we all like laughing at each other's mess-ups, right? I mean, it, it's just fun. I mean, why take life too seriously? We can laugh about these things, and, and sometimes failure is funny. I mean, mess-ups are what made America's Funniest Home Videos, you know, such a, a great show for so many people. Or it's why people enjoy watching ESPN's, you know, not-so-top-10, if you've ever seen that before. I mean, we enjoy the mess-ups, and it's easy and fun to laugh at failure um, as long as it's someone else, right? Um, Because once in a while, you know, when we look at the more serious side of life, there are some things about our failures, you know, that when it comes to my failures or my past mistakes, well, then maybe it's not quite as funny. Well, we're starting a brand new series uh, here at Genesis today called Getting Past Your Past. And what I want to do as we get started out today is kind of give you an idea of what we're going to look at, what we're up against for these next few weeks. 
Um, the truth is, and I believe this, the truth is that for so many of us, we are trapped and we are consumed by things that have happened in the past. And we get chained to them, and we can't seem to put them behind us. And so what I hope to do, what I hope we can accomplish over the next few weeks is that we might be able, that you might be able to uncover uh, some of those things in your life. Now, maybe you're asking, well, what kinds of things are we talking about? Well, for a lot of us, um, you know, the truth is that somewhere along the way, someone betrayed us. Uh, maybe as you look back on your life, you'll see that someone lied to you or they've hurt you. And because they've hurt us, you know, for so many people today, we're still carrying around some of that resentment or even that bitterness from the past. And so in a couple of weeks, we're going to talk about the importance of forgiveness and how you even begin to think about taking that journey of forgiving someone else, you know, if they've hurt you and if they've hurt you in a deep way. Uh, next week, we're going to talk about labels and what it means to peel off some of those labels that we've allowed to define us uh, for so long, you know, because for too long we've allowed someone or we've allowed something, maybe an event from the past, to characterize us. But I believe that what God's going to do is he's going to help some of you overcome that uh, maybe once and for all. And today, uh, today we're going to talk about personal failure. Uh, we're going to talk about some of these mess-ups and mistakes. And, and the question that we're asking with that is, you know, how do I over overcome those failures? How do I overcome some of those personal mistakes? Or how do I overcome, you know, sinfulness from the past? And here's why that's important. I mean, because for too many people, including many of you here today, I mean, you can't imagine God forgiving you for what you've done. Or, or even if you are able to come to that place, you know, as a follower of Jesus, to accept that Christ forgives you for what you've done, your problem is that you still haven't forgiven yourself and haven't been able to let that go. And, and I don't know what that would be for you, um, but I can promise that for some of you, it's a real sense of heaviness and it's a real sense of guilt. And maybe it's because, you know, for you, it's, it has everything to do when you think about your sexual past. And, you know, maybe you were young and maybe it was fun, but now years later, you just know that you're carrying around all of this baggage and it's affecting your marriage and you wish you could change the past, but you can't. Or for some of you, it might be a recurring sin and it's just something that gets you every single time and, and then it happens and you pray for forgiveness, but what do you know? I mean, you fail again at it a few days later. Or, or maybe you look back on your past and you think about some of the hurtful words that you once spoke to someone and you regret it but unfortunately, you can't unsay it. And even though life goes on, you know that memory is still there and that particular relationship is affected by it. Or uh, maybe you've made some bad decisions in the past and they're just now, you know, finally, maybe even years later catching up with you or even worse, maybe you have a secret and no one knows that secret, but every day you're terrified more and more that that secret might just come out and you wish you could change the past, but you can't. And I know, I mean, I talk to people who have betrayed their spouse and their spouse has forgiven them, but they still can't forgive themselves. Or I know people who are divorced and they're carrying around a lot of guilt, you know, wondering if there's something they could have done more or, or there are others, maybe parents, and you've got grown kids now and, and you just wonder, you just think sometime, you know, if I would have paid more attention, if I would have established greater priorities a long time ago, maybe my kids would be in a different place today. I mean, if you can relate, in any way whatsoever, you know, maybe it was something that I didn't even mention. I mean, then you know how David felt, you know, how he felt when he wrote these words in Psalm 38, uh, verse 4, when he says, my guilt has overwhelmed me like a burden too heavy to bear. David is like, you know what, the pain is so great, it's too great to bear, I can't enjoy life. I and mean, he's literally saying, I, I've reached this breaking point where I can't take it any longer. Have you ever felt like that before? 
as you think about some of your life and as you think about some of the stories of your past, that the guilt is too great to bear and that you're at this breaking point and it almost seems like you're there every single day and you're overwhelmed and it's a burden that is too heavy to carry. We all, every single one of us, have these burdens and these pains and these memories that we carry around these past failures and there are things that, that others have done to you to wrong you and there are things that we've failed to achieve and we feel like we've let others down and if not resolved, these failures have the potential to ruin your life and maybe the lives of others. But here's what I'm hoping, and here's what I've been praying, and I know others have been praying for and with us too, is that today that you will hear this and, and you'll open up your heart and you'll hear this today, that your past doesn't have to own you anymore. That you can be set free by the redeeming work of Jesus Christ, and when you embrace the power of that truth and you allow it to change your mind, I believe that God can help you overcome your past, and He can help you get started. You know, looking in the direction of something even greater, a better tomorrow for your life. And so, what I want to do today, as we get started in this, is I want to share three realities with you. And if you're taking notes, uh, write these down. These are three things that are true. And when you can get to a place in your life where you say, you know what, I believe them and I'm embracing them and I am hanging on these truths, well, I believe these truths have the power to help you overcome and get your past behind you once and for all. The first one is this. If you're taking notes, write this down. Your sin is nothing. Your greatest sin is nothing compared to his grace. It's nothing. You know, our, our greatest sins, our biggest mess-ups are nothing compared to the power uh, and the greatness of, of God's grace, of His love for us because of Jesus Christ, our Lord. You know, I've been a follower of Jesus. I, I've been a Christ follower for, I, I think, something about like 26 years now, serving in full-time ministry uh, for 14 years. And one of the things that I've discovered is that there are so many people today who are overrun and they are consumed by guilt. And, and you need to know that that guilt does not come from our God. Uh, it does not come from our Father. In 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10, the Apostle Paul wrote it like this. He said, Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret, but worldly sorrow brings death. I want you to notice that there's a difference there. There are two different things that Paul's talking about. Now, what the Apostle Paul is saying is that if you have this lingering sense of guilt in your life, this lingering sense of regret in your life, it's not from God. It's from the enemy. And we talked about that a little bit last week, you know, that, that you and I, that we have an enemy and our enemy loves to keep record. He loves to keep score of the past and his goal is to paralyze you. You know, his goal is to hold you back, you know, with guilt because guilt, you know, can get you thinking that you're not good enough, that you can never get ahead and that you're never going to get past your past. And so guilt paralyzes and what it really does is it produces and breeds the self-hatred in us. But what we discover through Paul's words here is that there is a difference between guilt and conviction. Guilt and conviction, because guilt is from the enemy, but conviction comes from our Lord. And, and conviction, the conviction of the Holy Spirit is different than guilt and, reg and regret. You know, when, when conviction is working right and we respond to that conviction of our Lord, of the Holy Spirit, you know, it produces life change. It produces transformation in us. You know, conviction from the Holy Spirit gets us moving in the right direction in our lives. You know, it's kind of like the difference that we see in two men in the Bible, two different men in the Bible. I mean, both Peter and Judas, all right? When you think about their stories and their lives, both sinned. 
you know, both betrayed Jesus. You know, what Judas did is he sold Jesus to the enemy for 30 pieces of silver. His guilt got the best of him, and it overran him and consumed him to the point that he wasted away on the inside and eventually committed suicide. But Peter, because, because his faith was in Christ, guilt wasn't the end of the story for Peter. I mean, what he experienced was more personal conviction and because he confessed his sins, he found victory over his sins, and he was never the same because Jesus Christ set him free from his past so that he could begin moving forward towards his future. And I just want you to know today that Jesus can do the very same thing for you. I mean, that, that power is there, and it is available, and it's just like John wrote in 1 John chapter 1, 9, when he said, if we confess our sins, if we do that, if we confess our sins, if we're sensing the conviction of the Holy Spirit in us and we confess our sins, whether they're in your present right now or from your past, He is our Lord as He is faithful and He is just and He will forgive us our sins once and for all and He will purify us from all unrighteousness. That's the work that our God can do as He sets us free from our past. Hey, uh, remember the Etch-A-Sketch? Any... Uh, I don't know if I could get a hold of one of these or not, but uh, I went to Walmart last night and I just said, I, I found a worker. I said, hey, can, do you guys have an Etch-A-Sketch? Well, she was kind of young and looked at me like I was an alien or something. And it's just like, really, like, I'm not that old, right? I mean, and, and so they had one and, and I found it. And uh, I, I don't know about you, but if you remember playing with one of these as a kid, I wasn't a big fan, really. I mean, you know, I, I don't know if I'm that artistic. And, and I think for me, it was just this, this frustration of like you can't do a circle or you know if you try and do a curved line or something or or maybe you're working on you know your particular masterpiece and then you mess up and and so you, you got to start all over but when you think about it I mean that's really the beauty of the etch-a-sketch that you know even as you work on this masterpiece and if you mess up what do you do you turn it over and you shake it and you make sure not to hit yourself in the face but you shake it really hard and then you notice that well new beginning start over totally erased. You know that's precisely what God will do for you in Jesus Christ. I mean, that is precisely what he does for us in Jesus. I mean, it's the promise that John wrote about that anything you've done in your past, whatever you've done wrong, because of faith in Christ or because through faith in Jesus Christ and his forgiveness, our sins are wiped away and they are gone forever and not just some of it, but all of it erased. So I want to get you thinking right now. I want to ask you, what's written on your Etch-A-Sketch? I mean, when you think about your life and what's holding you back and what the enemy is constantly and over and over again calling to your attention, I mean, what would be the word that you would choose? I mean, maybe for you it's the word you know, resentment, you know, maybe anger, maybe bitterness, maybe rage, maybe adultery. What's that word for you? You know, maybe you're incredibly envious of other people. You know, maybe you look back to the college years and, and your guilt is because of an abortion. You know, the Bible says that it doesn't matter what it is. God is faithful and He is just and He will forgive us of our sins every single time. And I love that Scripture doesn't just say that God will forgive us, but that He also purifies us. He cleanses us. You know, that not only does God cover over our guilt and our shame, but he purifies us too. And as the uh, prophet Isaiah spoke, you know, though your sins are like scarlet, they will be washed as white as snow. 
Or as another Old Testament prophet, the prophet Jeremiah spoke these words from the Lord in Jeremiah 31, the last half there of verse 34, when he says, for I will forgive their wickedness and I will remember their sins no more. I mean, think about the beauty and the power of those words. I mean, notice how our all-powerful, all-knowing God makes a choice to forget the mistakes we've made in the past. He refuses to remember, and that applies to anything and everything in your life and in mine. And what a relief when you think about it, that your greatest sin, that my greatest sin is nothing compared to the size of his grace. The second truth is, the second reality is this one, that you are not what you've done but you're who God says you are. You're not what you've done, but you are who God says you are. You know, I, I couldn't help but think this past week. I wonder how A-Rod is feeling these days. Um, if you're a Major League Baseball fan at all, if you pay any attention whatsoever to sports or watch ESPN, I mean, you know that A-Rod is one of the most well-known baseball players, and, but uh, recently, and it's been suspected for some time, uh, that he was found guilty of taking PEDs or performance-enhancing drugs, and he's been suspended for the remainder of this season and also for next season, too, but as he is still appealing the ruling, uh, he gets to play, and when you think about it, I just know that there's going to come a day when it'll all be, you know, figured out or whatever, and he's probably going to miss some of this season and probably all of next season, and because of his age and where he is at in life, I mean, there's a really good chance that he'll walk away from the game and he'll never play again, and I mean, once known or believed to potentially be, you know, one of the greatest guys that ever played baseball, maybe could break all of the great records, he'll slip away from baseball, and his legacy will forever be tied to his drug use. And I got to be honest and say that I feel sorry for him, and, and maybe as a baseball fan, I shouldn't, but I feel sorry for him because I know in there was just a boy who grew up loving the game and playing baseball, and he got wrapped up in all of this, and now he will forever be known as a cheater. But the beautiful thing about God's work in our lives is that you are not your sin, but you are who God says you are. And when you come to faith in Jesus Christ, uh, you're no longer known by your sin. It's not how God sees you anymore. And in order to realize that, we have to embrace the fact that sin is an event and it's never a person, and I just pray, you know, for those of you that have been chained to your past, and maybe even chained to your previous mistakes, and I pray that by the power of God, you'll be able to see how God sees you today. The Apostle Paul wrote it like this in 2 Corinthians 5, 17. He says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. You know, in some translations, it says he is a new creation. She is a new creation in Jesus Christ. The old is gone, forever and always, and the new person is here. That's the good news. That, that's the power of the gospel. But I have to tell you that there's also a question that comes attached to a verse like that. And the big question is this, that for some of you here today, you know this truth and you know the power of this truth. But for some of you, I need to ask you the question of, do you belong to Christ? I mean, can you say that I am in Christ? And that I have that relationship. Are you a new creation in Jesus Christ? Because one of the things 
that gets us really excited as a church is we love to invite people to come here and for services like these. And I know that maybe for some of you, uh, you gave up on church a long time ago, but somehow you found your way here. Or maybe you've never really even been a part of your church. And so this is like brand new everything. And because of it, you know, you're listening and you're asking a lot of questions. And maybe you're not at that place yet where you'll say, hey, I get my arms completely around or my mind around what you're talking about. But we want to remind you that if you are here and if you are new to all this you just keep coming and you keep listening and you keep processing and exploring and you take all the time you need because you're welcome here and it's why we're here and we invite you to be a part of this but if you are here today and you know you've been listening for a while and you would say that you're not a Christ follower and you're wondering how this new creation stuff applies to you what I want to do is I want to try and explain this as clearly as I can because you need to know that to be, that, that you can't be a new creation in Jesus Christ until you choose to embrace, you know, the truth of who he is in your own life. Like, you have to, you have to, you have to step out in faith and say, I want that and, and I need that. And, and if you don't know Jesus Christ, if, if you can't say that I know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, if you've never asked for his forgiveness or invited him to be the Lord of your life, the fact is, the truth is that your past defines you, that your sin defines you and your life, but it doesn't have to be like that. I mean, it doesn't have to be that way. I mean, because when you enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ, I mean, he freely offers the power of hope and forgiveness for your life. And once you surrender your life to him, he offers a new direction and a power for everything in your life, both past and present and future. But for that to become a reality in your life, for you to be made new in Jesus Christ, you have to reach out to him. And you've got to invite him in and you've got to invite him in to be the Lord of your life. And, and so I want to ask you, have you done that yet? I mean, have you invited him to be your Lord and Savior? And, and if not, I mean, what would prevent you from doing that today? I mean, maybe today is the day that you would do that once and for all. And when, when I was around 11 or I think maybe 12, um, I'll always remember, I remember raising my hand at a, a church summer camp and I invited Jesus Christ uh, to be my Lord and Savior and entered into that relationship with him and I was baptized a few weeks later. Now, church wasn't new to me. Uh, I, I went to church from day one, you know, as far as I, as far as I know. But I, I, so I had been in church since a baby. But even at a young age, even at the age of 11 or 12, I knew that it was time for me to make my faith personal and to, to choose it for, my, for myself. And it's, you know, when you think about it, and even as I reflect, it's amazing how even as a Christian, even as a follower of Jesus, we still need the power and the truth of the gospel in our lives every single day. Because I know that I'm far from perfect. You know, and I mess up and I've got these failures. I've got my own list of failures and I'll, I'll be the first to tell you that my failures have the potential and the power to ruin my life. But I was reading this book recently by the name, a guy by the name of Tulian Chivichan and it's called Jesus Plus Nothing Changes Everything. And I, I love it and I just love that what he had to say in there that, you know, one of the greatest things that we can do, even as Christians, even as followers of Jesus, it is to preach the gospel to ourselves every single day. 
Let me say that again, that one of the greatest things you can do, that we can do as followers of Jesus and even as Christians is to preach the gospel to yourself every single day because of faith in Christ, you know, I know that I am not my sin. I am who God says I am and I am a new creation in Jesus Christ. And if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then you are a new creation too. The same is true for you because Jesus says new. The old has gone forever and always when you invite Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior. He will pronounce you new once and for all so that you're no longer known by what you've done in your past, but you're a new creation in Jesus Christ, and He defines you once and for all. There's a final reality, um, and again, I believe these realities have the potential to change everything, um, but I don't want you to miss this last one either too, because it's realizing that you can't, you personally can't change your past but Jesus Christ has the power to change your future. Uh, he can do that. He will do that. And what a great truth that the risen Christ can change your future. You know, as I mentioned, uh, and you've heard me say this before, I, I've been in ministry for about 14 years, and uh, the very first church that I served at was a church in Michigan, St. Joseph, Michigan. It had a, a large German population, a number of people uh, that had come to the United States uh, uh, during the time of World War II, and this particular church that I served at had a large older congregation of German people, German-speaking people. It wasn't uncommon for me to walk past our church kitchen once in a while and hear a couple of women talking to each other in German. And, uh, you know, hoping that they're not talking about me, you know, I, I didn't hear my name in there anywhere, but uh, some wonderful, beautiful people with some incredible stories. And uh, I'll never forget the day that um, my wife and I, we didn't have any kids at the time, we were invited over to get this Franz and Ermgard Freschke's house for lunch, all right? Can it get any more German than that? And uh, we went there for lunch, and again, beautiful, wonderful people, and uh, I, I remember just being so overwhelmed by some of the stories, so captivated by some of the stories that Franz and Ermgard told about coming to the U.S., you know, during World War II and it really escaping here uh, as Christians. But there was one particular story that I'll never forget that Franz told is how, as a young boy, I mean, probably a late teen, how, you know, he got pulled into the Nazi army and had no choice in the matter. And he was telling a story, and, and he told stories about, you know, a prisoner of war at one time and how he was captured by allied forces. And, but, but this one particular time, he was out with his battalion, and they were marching together, and he was responsible for carrying this really large, heavy gun. And uh, as they were marching together, they, they came upon this kind of older, elderly, you know, poor woman walking alongside the road, and she was pushing a bike. And he kind of thought to himself, well, hey, I know how to solve my problem. I'm carrying this really large gun. And so he had all of this authority, and he remembers going up to this woman, and she had no choice in the matter, and he took her bike, and he used that bike, and he positioned the gun on top of that bike, and he just kind of pushed that bike along. And I'll never forget, as he told that story, and as it came to the end, that he looked across the table at me and with these tears in his eyes said, you know, Paul, if there is anything that I would love to do more than anything else, I wish I could go back in the past and give that woman her bike back. And how deeply affected by he was by it. You know, for Franz, though, I mean, this wonderful, beautiful Christian man, a new creation in Jesus Christ. He knew, unfortunately, that he couldn't rewind 70 or so years and change the past. But do you know what he knows? Well, he can't change the past. He knew more than anything that Jesus Christ had changed his future. 
And there came a day where he was never again the same. And some of you need to hear that truth and embrace that in your life today, that if it's in the past, it's lost. You can't go back to it. And you can't go back and change it. I mean, you just can't do that. And so, I mean, if for you, if, if you lost your marriage somewhere along the way, and, and your only dream was to have a good, lifelong marriage, you have to come to the facts that you can't go back and change it. You just can't. You can't do that. Or if you were young and you did something that you regret and you shouldn't have done and you got pregnant and you made the decision to have an abortion, hey, I want you to know that my heart breaks for you. And I want to give you the confidence that I believe that baby is in heaven, but you can't go back and change the past. Um, if, if you said hurtful things to mom or dad and before you knew it, they were gone and they died and you never had the chance to apologize, I'm sorry for you. But if they died, they're gone. And the unfortunate reality is that you can't go back and change what happened. If someone abused you, and that's a tragedy beyond tragedies, you can't change what happened. I mean, it wasn't your fault, but you can't go back and change what happened. And, and if any of these apply to you, or maybe it's something else, please keep this in mind. You can't change the past. But thankfully, I know someone, and many of you do too, who can change the future. And the great and the powerful news is that we have this gift from God, a Savior, a Savior Jesus, and Jesus proves for us that there is nothing that comes even close to the grace of our Lord. And with Him, all things are possible, and He is working in all things, even in the bad, and He is working to bring good to those who love Him and trust Him and who are called according to His purpose. And I just love the way that the Apostle Paul, you know, wrote this in Philippians, and keep this in mind that he's a changed man, all right? I mean, the old Paul had a lot of problems, you know? Uh, but before, and even before he became a follower of Jesus, he was responsible for the persecution, the torture, and even the murders of Christians. I mean, imagine carrying around a reputation like that. I mean, there's a really good chance that even as he went out on his missionary journeys, he ran across people from time to time that were well aware of who he was in the past and maybe even had a family member that was affected by the old Paul, but as a new creation in Jesus. See where he was able to go. And yet, with these words in Philippians chapter 3, verse 12, it says, not that I have already obtained all this. He's basically saying, hey, I don't have it all figured out yet. I'm still a mess from time to time. Or that I have already arrived at my goal. But what he says is, I press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. And then he says, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But here's one thing that I do. And say this with me. Forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. You know, for some of you today, the spiritual enemy has been stalking you. And he is on your case and he is haunting you with the reality of your past. But I want you to know that it can all change today. That you can be changed by the truth. That your, you know, your past doesn't have to have the final word or the final say any longer because God has the final say with your life. And by the power of Jesus Christ in you, you can get past your past. And as Paul writes in Philippians, even forget your past. Now maybe that's where you have a problem though. And you say, okay, I get it, and I hear it, but I don't know how I could ever come to a place in my life where I could erase that memory. And I want to try all that I can to erase that, but how can I ever forget what happened? That's why I love these words. And the words behind Paul and what he was saying in this phrase, forgetting the past, 
because that phrase doesn't mean to, you know, have your memory erased like a file that gets deleted from your computer. I mean, the phrase forgetting your past literally means to treat with thoughtless inattention. And let me just help you understand what that means for a second. It's like this willful neglect. It's getting to this place where you intentionally leave behind what happened or you banish it from your thoughts once and for all. Basically, it's saying that you might not be able to get to this place where you can delete that file from your memory, but what you can do is to say, I'm not going to open it any longer because it's no longer relevant. What failure from your past do you need to start treating with thoughtless inattention? Because you're not necessarily what others say you are and you are not who you sometimes feel you are. There is no sin that is too great for the grace of our God, and you might not be able to change your past, but I can promise you today that by the power of Jesus Christ, our risen Lord, that he can and he will change your future if you'll trust him. Will you pray with me? Lord God, we, we, we come into your presence now in the name of Jesus. And Lord, I know there are some here today who are feeling so trapped and overwhelmed by their past. And there are people here today who have been hurt by others and maybe those that need to apologize for something they've done and, and even others who just can't seem to forgive themselves. God, what I'm asking and what I pray, Lord, is that you would open up hearts and lives today and bring healing and forgiveness and transformation in the name of Jesus Christ. You know, as we pray, you know, there are some of you here today and you're a Christian, but even as a Christian, there is something in your past that's been holding you back. But maybe today, and maybe by the power of God, you realize once and for all, finally, that it's time to let it go. It's time to leave it behind. I want you to know that God has forgiven you and it's time you forgive yourself. And so I want to challenge you today. I want to urge you today. Will you just ask the Lord to give you the strength this morning to leave whatever it is at the cross once and for all. And I want to give you that confidence that you can do that and he'll take it. And he'll take it once and for all. Others of you today, as we pray, you know, have something going on in your life right now. And, you know, maybe what you're experiencing this morning isn't guilt, but it's conviction. And because you're in Christ, you know, you're feeling that conviction in your life. And if so, I, I encourage you today, don't hold back. Don't resist. Don't hesitate. But confess your sins to the Lord and be purified and forgiven today and experience the power of forgiveness in your life. And as we keep praying, you know, I know that there are people here today and I don't know how you would describe it, but maybe you'd say you're lost. And part of the reason that you're lost right now has everything to do with the past. And some of you are feeling trapped in a painful past or maybe a painful or sinful present. And you're here today and you're feeling lost and you're, you're wondering what in the world can you do? Can I just tell you this today as we pray I, that I believe with all of my heart that God had in mind today and for this church and, and he had this message for you that you are here and you're not here by an accident but you're here today because it's time to come home. And you've been held hostage by guilt and shame and fear, but I need to tell you today that you weren't meant for those things. You were meant for Jesus, and he is God's son, and he gave his life on the cross so that you can be forgiven. Let me just ask you this. Is it time? 
is a time. And if you've never invited Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior, I want to tell you it's time. And you can do that right now where you're seated. And I just want to urge you to respond to the Lord and cry out to Him and pray this prayer with me right now and, re- and receive Him as your Lord and Savior today. Wherever you're seated, if you feel like He's drawn you, uh, if you're ready to respond to Him in this way, just pray this prayer with me wherever you are. Lord Jesus, I'm surrendering my life and my past to you today. Lord, forgive me of my sins. Wash me clean. Purify me. And Lord, today I turn from my sins and I turn enthusiastically towards you. God, we thank you. Uh, We thank you for the power of your work. We thank you for the gospel and what it means for us. And we thank you for life change and the life change that is taking place in this room right now. And I pray that you would set hearts free today, Lord, that we would see and know that we are a new creation in Jesus Christ. And we celebrate and we praise you for that, that you made that possible with the gift of your son, Jesus Christ. Help us to go enthusiastically and in your name that we will never be the same because we're no longer chained to our past, but we're looking ahead to this afternoon and tomorrow and our future and the hope that we have in Jesus Christ, our Savior. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.